Welcome to Unlock Your Magic, the podcast all about living authentically and doing life on your own terms. My name is Christine, I'm your host, and I invite you to come on a journey with me to discover what it means to live an authentic life, looking at the messy bits of how to get there, and hopefully picking up some tips and tricks along the way so that you can start living life as your truest self. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. And today's guest is Jade Beale, who is a mother, a radical self-love coach, and a Tucson and Arizona-based world-renowned photographer specializing in truthful images of women to inspire feeling irreplaceably beautiful and good about one's body as a counterbalance to the airbrushed, photoshopped imagery of a single body shape and age that dominates mainstream media. Her work and books, The Bodies of Mothers and the Crone Body, has touched millions of women's lives and garnered global attention from media outlets, including the BBC, the Today Show, the Huffington Post, and beyond. Jade's books and social media platforms feature truthful photos of women alongside their stories of their journey to to build radical self-love in a world that profits of women believing that their bodies are flawed and a problem and never enough. Being human is often challenging, and our bodies are not the problem. Our bodies are sacred, and we are beautiful. And in our own words, I'm here to be a facilitator for living heaven on earth. I'm here to support your waking dream. I'm here to stand in my authentic beauty and reflect your divine gorgeousness. I am here to be a radiant reflection of life. I am life. You are life. And all this that we are, and that we have is divine. All of this is magic. All of this just is. Welcome. Yay, that sounds so beautiful. Thanks for reading that to me. Yeah, how does that actually feel having that read out to you? Because I know, you know, when you write it for, for the website, because I got it off your website, it's like, it's, you know, we put it out there. But how does it feel being reflected back to you? It feels good. It feels like a hug, you know, it's like, oh, that. Nice. So tell me a little bit about your journey of of getting to where you are in this radical self-love. And if you do go to her Instagram, please do, because it's just so beautiful. And all these images of beautiful women and all of your inspiring, yeah, like videos and and just showing radical self-love is just so refreshing and beautiful to see so tell us a little bit about your journey absolutely so the term even radical self-love i adopted from one of my favorite teachers sonia renee taylor she wrote the body's not an apology and she she said radical self-love that was the first time i'd ever heard that and i was like yes that because you know i've always struggled with quote unquote self-esteem and that always felt very elusive and weird and heady to me and like yeah this will build my self-esteem and I want to build and then radical self-love felt like messy and big and beautiful and ugly and, and like embraced all the things mm-hmm. and that felt like the harbor I wanted to sail my ship into it feels very like embodied like a really kind yeah. of I feel it in my in my like belly in my gut rather than like you said the self esteem is like like neck up. Yeah, it's a concept, and which isn't wrong. It's a great concept to like contemplate. 
And for me, radical self-love, yeah, it was kind of the anchor back to my body for sure. So thank you, Sonia Renee Taylor, for opening that concept. Because for a while I was chasing, like most folks, I learned to hate my body when I was about eight years old. I, I was taught that beauty was scarce and that other girls were my competition because I needed to look the best in order to feel loved or worthy which my nervous system interpreted as safe. So I lived most of my life chasing this idea that I need to be thin and pretty for everybody in order to be lovable. And um, yeah, that that led to some really unembodied practices that you know, a lot of us, a lot of us inherit, I believe. So... Radical self-love was this warm, like all mother nature, all of it is okay, all the messy. It's embracing the fact that sometimes I love my body, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I love life, sometimes it's just, it's seasonal, there's storms, all of the things, and there's beauty within it all. And so... My journey started when my son was born, and that was in 2012. And I realized I didn't want him to inherit my self-critique, my inner critic. Because I inherited my mama's, not her fault. I inherited my grandma's and my great-grandma's, and I inherited all of their inner critics, which mean, they're just so mean. That was a way of survival, though, you know? And so the moment he was born, I was like, oh, wait a minute. If I speak this way, he will inherit this too. And so I wanted to change that. And it wasn't overnight, but I started by just accepting what was. And that was the first, like that neutrality, getting to that place of neutrality. That was before radical self-love for me. So when my son was five weeks old, I took him to my photo studio and I, my body changed a lot, which was something I had been living most of my life not to do, not to be bigger. <laughs> there I was, the thing I'd been fearing all my life. And then I took a photo of myself with my son, with this body that I thought was so wrong and so unlovable and so disposable. And I just knew how to do it. It was hard. And all the photos, because I've been a photographer since 1997. So all of my previous photos, I would doctor up before, even before uh, digital. <laughs> you know, like I would overexpose it so people wouldn't see all the scars on my skin from acne, you know. So I took these photos and I did not Photoshop them. Like truths. want to learn how to see the beauty and the truths. And it did not happen overnight, but I put it on social media. And that was my first hit of going viral. Mm. And my life pretty much changed after that. Because everyone was like, really? It's okay? It's okay to just be in our bodies? Really? I too struggle with that. Because of course we all think, especially back then for me, like it wasn't how it is now on social media. Back in 2012, folks were talking about body positivity. And so it was, it was, it was super it was a big deal for me. And so that was the beginning. 
And then in neutrality was like the first step. And then reading Sonia Renee Taylor's work, meeting her in person. I was like, oh, radical stuff. Look, I don't want to be neutral about this magnificence. I want to like, yes. <laughs> I want to love her. And not even just love her because I believe loving myself means I love everything around me. Loving myself is not a selfish act. Loving myself means that I then inherently can see everything in technicolor even more. So it makes my work better. I am able to be more present with my clients. I'm able to be in nature in a different way. I am definitely so grateful for all this work for the sake of my son. Make me such a better mother. That I know for sure. Yeah, because it's a reflection of us, right? And like like you said, it's there's always one person in the family that kind of has to say, it ends here. It ends with me, the generational, you know, breakers. And it takes courage to do that. It takes, again, you know, radical responsibility as well. Take radical responsibility for ourselves and our actions. And going against the norm, especially... When you look back at 2012, yeah, that's a lot has changed since then, you know. But I think it's just so beautiful to to watch and so inspiring. And that's, I think, why also your stuff has gone so viral because, you know, it's similar to, I don't know if you know, um, uh, Taryn Bromfit, um, the body image. I'm, movie. In docu- I'm in her documentary. Oh, my God. Are you? How did I not realize that? We were because it was at the same time. We were both doing these things at the very same time. And we kind of looked alike. I had, I was wearing glasses like hers. Like we were like such sisters. She came to America. Yeah. And we, we got together and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, maybe that also speaks to sometimes there are things that are just, they need to be done. And, and that's why multiple people pop up at the same yeah. time doing them. Cause it's not, oh, you know, I stole, you know, she stole my stuff or that's not at all. But sometimes, you know, it all just kind of it was like, oh, no, this this is up in the universe. I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, the universe is like, I'm going to pluck this into like different people and they're going to like spread the word from from there. Right. Because it's I'm up. So how has that changed? How you show up in the world, because obviously, like you said, it it wasn't an overnight thing. But how has that helped you navigate this world from a more embodied place, from a more truthful and a more authentic place? Yeah. Yeah, more magical, too. I'll tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) Once I was able, and this thing, like, once I was able to, to be with my inner critic, because she still exists. Her name is Stacy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah she's still with me she doesn't run the show anymore nor am i afraid of her and i know i can always predict when she pops up these days you know and i it's kind of amusing and i get that kind of lingo from ram das mm-hmm. um i just i just not i just love how uh yeah he talks about his alter egos and stuff <laughs> so learning how to understand that Stacy isn't me, isn't capital me, myself. It is a learned behavior of how to survive in a very broken system. 
of hierarchies and scarcity and and keeping you little, keeping you playing small, right? And actually, that's really endearing. And that's why I actually have a little love for Stace. And she doesn't need to get out of here, nor do I feel like I've been practicing radical self-love now for 11 years. And I, you know, I could feel very bad. Like, what's wrong? Why does Stacey pop up still? You know, I've done all this work. She's also, she's just a part of this garden. But trusting my inner goodness, which is connected to everything that I don't think I'd still be on earth to be honest if I haven't been able to do that my inner critic was she was killing me you know she's trying to keep me safe but she was also killing me and um I feel like I'm constantly walking back to like seven-year-old Jade who was playful and really believed in magic really was curious about all the beauty and was so curious about all people. I've always been an observer of people. And even before I knew about photography, I would see someone and I would place them in a scene in my mind, you know, like, and, and I'd realized later I was placing them in, in like a, um, a composition. <laughs> I was like, wow, I like how their body does this. And you know, I just was a witness of beauty. I really do believe my purpose on earth is to be a reflection of beauty. I do. And 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 part of that, I have to also allow my own beauty. Because if I deny my own beauty, it's I see that as kind of like a restrict restricting the hose, you know, the flow of juicy, you know, energy. It's kind of like Tom Mama Nature, you're not beautiful. You messed up on this one. <laughs> and instead of like, okay. I allow my beauty too, but not in the patriarchal sense of beauty and hierarchy of this like brain of thinking what beauty is, but of like allowing beauty, allowing. And so in my photography, what I've always loved, and I started in 1997, always been drawn to mostly naked female bodies. And what I was what I realize now, it took me a long time to figure this out, at least, or put um, understanding to it. I didn't really need understanding, but it's been fun to put understanding to it, is that around eight years old, I feel like that central relationship I had with women or little girls back then was taken away from me. And I was put as competition to win the attention of boys and win the attention. You know, that was my grandmother's narrative and that's how she stayed safe, right? And to some degree, my mom too. But instead, what that did was it ripped away that sensuous connection, which I believe there's a lot of magic that lives there. And it put me into like, am I thinner? Am I pretty? Am I this? Am I that? And and, and that is that is all consuming. So it was was all consuming to my mind. And and that that didn't allow for that sensuous relationship. So in 1997, I was a high school, I was a senior in high school, so my last year of high school, and I found this film. Uh, photography class at Tucson High and I was able to to recreate that centrist relationship in a sacred safe space which was in a studio and here's this beautiful body moving I get to photograph it and all the bullshit that we have learned is gone and that true me is there like just taking aback I just get goosebumps thinking about right now like that space for beauty 
to exist without all the learned bullshit that is heavy and suffocating could exist. But it only for me back then could exist in that moment. It was almost like a ceremony. I'd go to the ceremony, that beauty exists. But as soon as I come out, I'd be like, whoa. You know, like, okay, I got to make sure I'm thin and pretty and likable. <laughs> you know, But as soon as I would go in to a session with photography that I call them photo ceremonies now, that again was like, oh, we're in that. And for me, the truer space and the sensuous, not sexual, sensuous beautiful where beauty can live and be witnessed and it feels in my experience it feels wonderful to be witnessed and and my experience too by another woman because unfortunately most of us did inherit these beliefs of like you know beauty isn't scarce so we gotta like be the most beautiful and i work with a lot of women who who that's that's literally that's strained that's just constricted the hose is like needing to be the most beautiful, which is really what that means to me is needing to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And instead realizing, oh wait, we are the most beautiful. Like, this is, this is. It's very unique, right? Like there's only one of us. And that's why I call it unlucky magic because we all have inherent magic in ourselves and nobody can copy that nobody can like you know pretend it's like we're all unique so that's and I, I see that in your pictures too it's it's celebrating that and it's like yeah because like no other body exists like this or no other being and 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 spirit and soul exists like this right so tell me then a little bit about because I love the you know I, I love the the that you kind of use the word magic too, because I'm like, oh, I, you know, another little kind of other little magic person, because that's it's it's is that right? What does living a magical life in that sense then mean to you? And what does it look like on a day to day basis? Because, like you said earlier, like you know, not every day is is the same. And and how do you navigate that to maybe just sustain like a baseline of I am beautiful I am enough I am magic yeah yeah at least for me I and my experience of being human has been really challenging <laughs> really hard I feel like I've I've struggled with depression since I was pretty little I feel like a lot of that has to do with the beliefs I inherited and the way that this system works. I'm not blaming, I'm not a victim to it, but my particular system doesn't do well in this overall arching system. Um, I grew up in a very small village in Mexico, which I think is amazing. My mom is from Michigan, which is a small little town in Michigan. And somehow she ends up when I'm two years old in this little village that you have to get to by boat. And wow. In Mexico that had no electricity and we lived in this little hut and it was literally, it was the best for my nervous system. Like she didn't know it. I didn't know it. I, I'm again, like, I'm not sure if I'd still be here if it weren't for that upbringing. I, I don't think I could have been brought up in a city and was so sensitive as a child. And so that the everyday for me, I again, I allow it. I know for sure when I'm more tired, um, I don't have a uterus anymore, but back when I had a uterus and I'd have, you know, menstrual cycles, 
I could, you know, be like, oh, yep, it's that time. It's that time where I'm more tired. I need to rest. Nothing's going to really feel that great. And I'm going to want to blame my body for it. Or I'm going to want to blame my relationship. Or I'm going to want to blame the fact that I don't have enough money. Or I want to blame something. But the truth is, I feel uncomfortable today. So let's sit with that discomfort. Oh, my God, it's so hard. And I don't like it. And in the last five years, I learned how to do rage work with that and like I throw my tantrums and just um, and allow that to be. But the gorgeous thing of being a 40, how old am I now? 43 or am I 44? I don't remember if I'm 43 or 44, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. Age is just a concept anyway. Of being in my younger and my third and my 40s um, is understanding that these difficult days pass they do and maybe there's even information in that so in that regard it is beautiful you know it, it truly is it doesn't feel like at the moment but it does after and I really think it's beautiful that I can tell myself I know girl I know it feels like this is the end but it's not <laughs> remember you've done this now thousands of times what can you do to take best care of yourself? We might need some Palo Santo. We might need a rest. We might need to, you know, mostly get out to nature. Do some rage work. Yeah. But I don't judge myself. I don't need all days to be the same. I don't. I wish, I wish that, you know, I had more energy. And I'm working towards that because I do believe in mind-body medicine. And I do think that I can unlock more energy in myself. And that's really exciting to me. Um, but I'm not afraid, for the most part, of surfing the waves. I used to be on antidepressant medication and also high blood pressure medication. And since I started my breathwork journey and and doing more radical self-love, you know, acceptance, I'm off all of that, um, which feels really good not, not to dismiss that. I, I believe in doing what is best for everyone, but it feels really good. I like knowing that I have the power to surf my emotions. I do. I don't need to be afraid. And I think there's information in there. I think there's information in pain. Mm. And I, I lean into those things now rather than run away. Mm. And I think that's, we haven't been taught that, right? I think if we had been taught from a young age of how to feel our emotions rather than making them wrong and stuffing them down, I think the world... I don't cry. I mean, that. Even, you know, or even when I look at it from a nervous system point of view, right? If you're in an accident, they're like, you know, right, oh, stop shivering. Oh, no, no, no. That's my body moving through my nervous system response. So, like, let me shiver. Thank you very much. I mean, obviously, if you're going to shock, that's different. But it's all these things of, like, don't do this, don't do that. And I mean, I do wonder if, I mean, I do think depression is a societal illness. That, like you said, if if we all were a little bit more aware of our what's going on our, in ourselves, and and I think in in different cultures they actually kind of say when someone comes with depression, they're like, "When did you stop dancing? When did you stop singing your song?" And like you said, listening to those waves and like knowing that it is a wave, everything is changing. Every single time, a day of the time, a day of the life, and, and all the time. 
And I think when if we learn that from a young age, that even the heart parts are going to move through, I think the world will look a little bit different. I agree. And, you know, I used to really get upset when people were like, just choose not to be depressed, Jade, because I, I, I did. Like, I was on antidepressants for a long time. And, you know, people would be like, especially my mom, she's very spiritual. She'd be like, you know, you just choose to be happy, Jade. I'd be so angry. I just feel like you try waking up in this body sometimes. Like, try. Like, it feels sometimes I would wake up and the world felt upside down. And I was like, what? But it also, had a, I was allowing Stacy, my inner critic, to run the show back then. They didn't know. And I, I I believed that inner voice that I was a piece of crap. I was nothing. And then I would go out and, you know, like do all that stuff. But I had this like war going on, you know, because I would go into a photo session and that magic would happen. But then I would leave the photo session and I would hate myself, you know, I'm like, wow, so confusing. It was so, so confusing. And so yeah, the the depression the depression stuff, oh my goodness. Like I have a lot of community and I have a lot of folks and I have a lot of resources. I feel really lucky. And I also realized that, you know, for the last twelve years, I live in a city. Living here doesn't do me well. I'm grateful for this city. I'm co parenting my son here with my best friend who's his dad and his dad's partner who's also one of my best friends and like have a beautiful little community here but I don't do well in city of course I don't feel that great okay I know that about myself so what can I do to support myself I go to hot springs a lot I finally got myself this camper van which was really scary because it's one of the biggest purchases I've ever made I had to get rid of you know sell my car I had to do all these really scary things to make this happen but I need to sleep in nature more but I also need my home to co-parent my son with my with you know with his dad and 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 so oh it's it's just been constantly of okay what do I need what makes me feel best what makes me feel best and listening to other podcasts and stuff of, of what other folks are doing is super inspiring like oh that's it that's how I got the van idea and then you know Airbnb in my house while I could go be in nature they're like it's like, oh, I can get creative and support my juiciest self. But it takes a lot of bravery. By that, I'm still, I'm, I'm still shaking off scary versions of And I'm so proud at the same time. But I did. I was like, I, I, I don't know exactly how I'll make this work. But I want to make it work because there's no other option. There's no other option. Like, Seven years ago, if you'd have told me I, I would own a home and a camper van and, you know, be able to pay all these bills. I've been self-employed since I was a teenager. I've been an artist since I was a teenager. And I didn't believe I could make this kind. I didn't make, believe I could make this work financially. Seven years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not going to own a home and a $90,000 camper van. Radical self-love led me here. Like, baby girl, you can. It's not selfish. Doing these things actually is I am so excited to share my home with other guests and stuff. Like I'm I'm so excited. But to make those steps, it would have been a lot easier. Not to tell you that much. Yeah. And that's the path of 
living to your own tune, right? It's like looking outside of the in quote unquote norm I'm like, oh, wait, I can actually design my life the way I wanted to, even if that doesn't look how, like, you know, person next to me or, you know, my neighbor or it's, it does take a lot of bravery. It really, really does. But I think once you're on that path, you're like, wait, what else can I make happen? <laughs> it's kind of, it's somewhat addictive. I think it's like, what else can I make happen? And, and what else can I do to, but I think what is it's done for me anyway, I can only speak for myself, is it, it's fueled my own magic a lot more and it's fueled me. And it's, you know, every now and then I was like, I need to get out of here. So I just, you know, pack my van up and kind of toddle off. Um, but I, also knowing that, like you, is like, I need that base for my nervous system too in order to recharge and kind of, you know, not have to make like, like, survival decisions all the time because that's basically van life right it's like am i safe especially as a woman am i safe do i have enough resources do i have enough water do i have mm -hmm. enough gas to cook do i have egg you know it it does but it's one of the most freeing things i have ever done and one of the best things for the nervous system that i have ever done and i think that fuels then all the other stuff that we can free up. So what do you think it's going to free up for you? What is, do you think it's this journey that you're starting to embark on? What are you hoping for? That's a good question. That's a good one. You know, and to be honest, so it was on Mother's Day. So in May, just this last Mother's Day in May, I was at Hot Springs with my husband. By the way, I have a very unusual relationship with my husband. We don't live together and we're not polyamorous or anything, but we don't live together and it's a whole thing, but we do go on trips together. So we are at these hot springs, my favorite place, one of my favorite places in the world. It's where I go to plug in. And I was reading this book by Brianna Medea, like Medea, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. And it's basically, she lived in her van in Utah and, and something just like did me. I was like, that's it. And I haven't even thought about this before. It was so off my radar. And I was like sitting in meditation at the hot springs. I was like, I'm gonna Airbnb my Airbnb my house and get a van. Yes. Oh. I came back and I started putting that into action. And I didn't even really understand what how it was gonna work. <laughs> so I was like, I just knew that that was the way. That okay, walk that way. All right. It was really scary. I started, I, I become really good at researching. I researched every single used van in this country. And like, I was doing all the research. I'm trying to figure it out if I sell my car and I do this. Meanwhile, I'm not sure how I'm going to work this. Like I have my, one of my, how am I going to Airbnb my house with my son, with his van? I had no idea how any of this was going to work, but I kept going. But so that happened in May by July. I was flying to Colorado to go pick up my brand new Amber van. <laughs> I just built this. I honestly don't still know. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm just keep walking. But just as last weekend, I was up in the forest for three nights. And that my last night, I, I couldn't even sleep. I was so excited. I was like, 
it was like that little kid feeling that I was just talking about. Like little girl Jade is like, I love it. I just love this. I just love this. I love cooler weather. I was up in the mountains. It's 30 degrees cooler. I live down in Tucson. It's a desert. It's very hot. And just that, that and like, that's what I'm walking towards, that feeling. I mean, like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Magic. I can't wait to wake up in the morning, make me coffee, and I'm going to walk around the forest. And, you know, little, little girl me energy again. I don't bring my computer up there. <laughs> at least, at least mostly. If I don't have, if I can get away with not working, yes. Um, so my goal is to create more energy like that. Wonder. And luckily, I live in a place where there's so much gorgeous free camping and places to explore. Like, it's endless. It's endless. And my favorite place, one of my favorite places in the world is Hot Springs, is a camping area. So, like, I just, it all works out to, like, go juice up so I can come back, work, be an awesome mom, and go back out and juice up, (laughs) come back until my son is off doing his own thing. And then, I don't know, the sky's the limit. I'm only in Tucson to co-parent my son and and that's that's why I'm here and I'm really grateful it's a great place to also run my business but yeah no I don't know how this is gonna look yet honey I haven't started Airbnb my house that yet it's gonna be I'm gonna start next month I'm still doing little things to make her cute and functional for guests and yeah yeah but there's nothing better than waking up under or even even just parked up under the stars and nothing around you but nature um it is the best feeling i have to say like i i did have a moment there early in the year actually may as well i had a, a moment in may where i was in the west of ireland and i had been working i took my van because i really have you know my little dog that i can't leave anywhere so he comes with me everywhere and we ended up going to this place called um keen bay which is uh, in a little place like Ackle island which is like did you see the the latest Irish movie with um, uh, Colin Farrell and Liam uh, um, Leeson? Basically, it was shot there. It was it's one of the most magical places. It, it actually, on a sunny day, it looks like it could be anywhere in the Caribbean. Oh my god! Like it, it just magical. And and I had one of those moments, and I was I was driving down because you you drive really kind of steep down the hill, and you overlook this bay of of clear water and it's the most freedom I have ever felt and everybody was saying it to me for a long time it's like you know your life is so freedom I was like but I hadn't felt it inside I hadn't quite made it that kind of feeling of that you're describing that like little girl was like I'm actually doing it it hadn't sunk in until that moment that was a year and a half into that life actually mm-hmm. and then but it's it's the most magical, magical feeling you can ever imagine. It is. And I, I wonder through that feeling, for me anyway, I feel connected to the greater source, you know, and it feels like walking oh, away. <laughs> and it's yeah. not just me. Like I feel connected. It's almost like I turn on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And actually on that day, like on the next day then, because I stayed there, there were like basking sharks coming and kind of swimming around and like it, it like it was one of those like higher higher connection like days of like this is just pure pure magic and you know 
like swam in the ocean and and did a little bit of work and it creating your life like that is definitely not for everyone I'm not I'm just gonna say that it's definitely not for everyone I think but I think for people like you and I who are like oh nature I need like quiet slow life it's that I think it's it's the the fast pace of city because I used to live in the city too and I'm so happy like I'm I'm back in the city somewhat but I'm on the outskirts and I'm actually near a park and you know it's it's beautiful the slow life is what it's where it's at right because it's like we can breathe and we can like connect maybe to something higher than ourselves that kind of helps us guide us in our magical little worlds to create and to be who we are meant to be and I want to touch back a little bit on what you said earlier about you really think that you're here to, you know, be the beauty and, and show the beauty and reflect the, the beauty. And I'd love to kind of know, is there, because you've done two projects, right? You've done, or a couple of projects, like you've done the, the body of mothers, you've done the crone body, you've done the beautiful body um, with, with women. What's where, What are you working on right now? Is there anything that you're kind of like, is there a new project that you're, embarking on or yeah no no big project just a continuation I think this this path that radical self-love has led me on is like it's, it's basically my spirit it feels like my spiritual path right and I can't really describe it other than just tapping in to the beauty I don't really feel like I am the beauty I feel like I'm a really skilled reflector of beauty but in order in my opinion in order for me to be that I must allow my beauty as well not go into a photo ceremony and like experience this gorgeousness and then reflect you know to this woman who has you know been suffering from body image stuff all in the she has these epiphanies and she feels seen and then I walk out and I'm like you you're a disgusting piece of crap Jade. like no right it's, it's it's allowing myself to be a part of beauty and yeah so I think what I desire to do coming forward I, I'm, I'm open to new projects I would really love a collaboration all the projects I've done are solo mm. and then I I find all my models and it's it's a big deal and it's amazing I mean it's not solo obviously I need all the models in my book oh brave courageous gorgeous models in my books but I've done all the execution, everything by myself. So I would love to do a collaboration of some sort. But what I really desire to continue doing is I lead a lot of circles these days on Zoom with women all over the world of of that that radical self-love healing. That's really exciting for me lately because I feel like I benefit whenever I'm working with someone I can feel that uh, putting Stacy in the backseat and like, I feel it. So it's it's almost like a selfish endeavor. <laughs> I don't want to talk about radical self-love with everyone, as much people as I can, because it feels so good to me. And it feels like little pockets, little pockets of magic. That's what I believe I'm here to do. And that you can, we, I could also see it as like, why do I have to do this work? Like, why can't I just, you know, I don't see it that way. And like, I have this opportunity until my last exhale to continue evolving 
this divine love within me and others and be like, wow, check how gorgeous. Look it. I've never seen a body like yours. Can we pause for a moment and just take in the beauty of this one body? Can we allow ourselves to feel that magic, that beauty? And it's not all just like, yay, beauty, but, you know, it's also like, and the ugly. Mm. And the, like, the sorrow and the pain, all of it as well. All. So many folks, not so many, but I often get DMs from folks like, you know, I love what you're doing, but I have to be honest. I think a lot of your photos are ugly. I feel like, and I feel really terrible saying this, but I feel like I want to be honest. A lot of photos that I see, are, I think they're ugly. Am I a bad person? And I'm like, what if ugly is beautiful? What if ugly is just a part of this whole? Why do we have to judge ourselves for seeing the world we see? You see ugly. What does that even mean? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We've been trained to judge certain bodies and ages and stuff. That's training. Mm. But if we went deeper, because I think some ugly things are really beautiful, but what is my definition of ugly? Well, that's going to vary all over the world. In my culture, I'm told I'm fat and gross. When I went to West Africa the first time, I felt like I fit in. My body type was a very normal body type. It was the first time I ever felt relaxed is when I went to West Africa for the first time. I was like, it. Unreal. It feels so nice to, 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 to feel like not wrong. Like my mm-hmm. body isn't wrong. Yeah. We are always felt to be wrong and made to feel wrong, right? I want to touch on the West Africa thing a little bit because I've I've seen that um I've literally just before you came on, we, I saw one of your reels where you talked about that you're dancing and how the West African kind of dance helped you and how you were invited to that. And looking at, because I'm always kind of interested in what are the tools that people use Mm -hmm. to get back to themselves, right? Like, how do you, like, come into yourself, into your body, into your authenticity? And I wonder, one, is the dance part of that for you? And what other tools have you been using to kind of practice that radical self-love? Mm-hmm. Very important. Very important. So I would say my number one are my photo ceremonies because that's where I, 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 I kept alive my sensuous, magical relationship with other women, which is where I feel like I do my most healing is with in circle with other women. Um, and then, yeah, I, I fell in love with West African dance. Also, the same year I picked up photography, ironically, I think that's the first time I've ever put that together. Yeah, 1997, I also <laughs> fell in love with West African dance. Gorgeous teacher, Denise Bay, still lives here in Tucson. And I got so into it because it was the first dance class I'd been to where I felt accepted. I was in a modern dance class before that, and I loved dance. But a few teachers had told me, you'll never be a great dancer because you're too big. Not their problem. They were just reciting what their teachers told them. But I went to West African dance class, and Denise was like, welcome. I just wanted to freaking dance. I don't want to be told my body was wrong. I just wanted to dance. And West African dance allowed that and specifically this was guinea style dance so i fell in love with guinea style dance i think that was another another saving grace you know of 
of allowing me to, of embodiment. I didn't even realize it then, you know, but I felt, I felt accepted. I felt wanted. I felt like I could just dance. And so I went to West Africa to study multiple times for long periods of time and got to be in that in Guinea, West Africa. And it was so, it was so gorgeous that, that just ceremonial way of dancing, because I think at least in America, folks are so like, well, I'm not a dancer. You have to like look a certain way and it has to, you know, it has to be the best. It's like, just got to dance. And in West Africa, my teachers would say, you know, if you got feet, you can dance. If you don't have feet, you can still move. If you don't, if you don't have like a tour, like there's literally that you can always move or sing or like connect to spirit in that way. And so I then ended up teaching West Africa. I opened a dance studio and I was teaching what I called West African inspired dance. And I would bring teachers from West Africa monthly. It was like a whole thing. And I started to burn out on that because I was doing a lot of performing. We would do events and the performing sabotaged my love for dance because I needed to make it look a certain way. And so I kind of burnt my, unfortunately, I, 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 I messed it up for myself with that. And one day I just had to, I gave my studio to my Capoeira teacher. I was like, take my studio. I can't do this anymore. I needed to go be more still. And I was hosting huge community events. Like hundreds of people were coming to my classes. And like, it was a big deal. It was juicy. It was beautiful. And I just needed to step away. Because unfortunately, I started, it took away the ceremonial aspect for me. And I, I did that. No one did that to me. So dance has changed a lot. That was that happened probably around 2016. That was about seven years ago. And now dance, I'm allowing dance to come back slowly. And I still love West African dance. Um, Guinea style dance is a little tough on my body as I grow older. It's really vigorous, but I still love it. I love the drums. It was all, every class I ever taught was with live drumming. It was beautiful. It was such an embodiment. I still have that wisdom in me. So I can still move my body in a very beautiful way. Breathwork has sort of taken over what dance used to do for me, I think. If I don't practice breathwork regularly, I'm not well. That is for sure. Just like if I didn't eat for many, many, many days, I wouldn't feel that great. Or drink water for many days. I wouldn't feel that great. Breath work now for me is that. And just every day, we got to do something in this body. Lovingly, lovingly. Not to be thinner, not to make her look a certain way, but because I love her. One for And that's usually a, a pretty vigorous walk in the morning, sunrise. Mm. Yeah, it's my main tools right now. Breath work. Morning walks with my dog in the sunrise and then getting out to nature as much as possible. The nature is the savior for me. Savior for me too. It's just if I don't get it, get out, yeah, don't, don't, you don't you don't want to see me. <laughs> Even the simple task you're talking about, the do I have enough fuel? Do I have enough water? These are actually to me. I was just thinking about this on the mountain the other day. It's like beautiful, in my opinion rituals that we are so oblivious to when we live in a home with all the things oh absolutely absolutely 
it's it's tight good for the soul i feel at least for me i'll just speak for myself i think it's good for my soul and i grew up that way in mexico i had to carry the water from the river to my house we have no electricity no running water so we're always mindful of that because and i thought just thought that was normal right but i've lived in america now for 30 years so (laughs) almost 30 years so i'm used to just like taking everything for granted Absolutely. You do get a lot, like, I you, absolutely, the the appreciation of resources has, even even knowing I know how much power my laptop takes. Yes. I know how much power my phone takes with a different yeah. cable, for example. Like, different cables use different amount of energy, right? So, it, that is absolutely, you're 100% right. The only thing that I found after a while was that my nervous system got tired after like being on the road for like seven or eight months continuously. My nerve, cause, cause you're like, I at least was under my nervous system never completely settled. Like I had realized I only afterwards that I hadn't slept really with my window open for like those seven, eight months. Because again, as a woman solo traveling, even though I have my little companion here who is the best guard dog that you can imagine there is still an element of you that there's always a little bit of ear like totally. that ear and like oh is there a noise out there and stuff like that so absolutely like the, the i'm so much appreciated of of my resources and it, it, everybody should do that everybody should learn all these things like you'll learn how much water you take for a shower you learn how much water it takes to wash your dishes. It's absolutely amazing and makes you appreciate the, the modern day life a lot more. The convenience. connected to those things. It's slow. Like you said, I didn't really put those words to it, but it is. It's it's all of that slows us down, which <laughs> requires us to be more present <laughs> in the moment. Yeah, Absolutely. Where can people find you and work with you having your ceremonies? I wish I was in Tucson <laughs> to come and do this with you. Not sure if I'll make it in the next few years, but you never know. You never know. You never know. Um, my website, you can find all the things. It's just jadebeal.com. And that's jade and then be all, like be all you can be. Dot com. You can find all the things there. Thank you so much for taking out the time. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, thank you. Thank you, my love. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. If you like this episode, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave us a review. These small actions help us immensely since we're an independent podcast without any sponsorship. See you next time.